time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. What do you think here, Dan? Base hit to center. Infield drawn in. I'm going base hit to right. The 1-2 pitch. Served into right and a base hit for Yadier Molina. It's a four-hit day. He drives in Carpenter. Four to two Cardinals. Four-hit day. Yadi. Right now would be a good time for his first ever Cardinal home run. And Carlson hits it out to deep right field. It's at the wall. Gone! There it is! First ever home run in the big leagues, Dylan Carlson! Haven't shown it, but even... Well, every once in a while, you get a little lucky during a game. Now, I'll have to admit, I do predict a lot of things, okay? I'll admit it. I predict a lot of things, and that one came true twice in one inning, okay? We're not talking batting average here, Dan. No, I, look, Scotty, I predict a lot of things that don't come true. This, those came true, and uh, I got a little lucky, okay? It just happened. Got a little lucky, man. Hey, it comes in threes, baby. You're due tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. You got to have a lot of fun on these games. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mac and the Monday edition of the show. That was a good weekend. Cardinals take three of four over Cincinnati. And uh, I'll visit with Brad Thompson. He is supposed to be the analyst, you know. He's the one that's supposed to predict these things, Ryder, Scotty. You know, he's the guy that's supposed to predict these things. Come on. Come on, BT. He's the expert. 65780-65780. If you want to jump in the show and we can talk a little blues, we can talk a little baseball with you. And the Kansas City Royals will be in town. Should be a really good pitching matchup. You can see the game on Fox Sports Midwest, the pregame show at 630 tonight. I'll also have the uh, Cardinal Report, the Redbird Report tonight at 6. We'll preview the Cardinals and the Royals and what's happening around Major League Baseball beginning at 6 tonight. Uh, hope you tune into that as well. 65780. Always love giving your uh, getting your feedback. You guys make me think. And that's what I love about this show here on a Monday and Monday through Friday. Scoops with Danny Mac. Heard daily here on 101 ESPN. Really happy for Dylan Carlson. You know, he was pressing a little bit, I think. And he is seeing an inordinate amount of breaking pitches, change-ups, non-fastballs. But you could see... Uh, and that's why I went on a limb on that. You could see he was starting to make the adjustment a little bit against it out in front, but even in that at bat, fouling off some of the tough pitches that he was getting. And that was good to see. And it, it's been a grind for him. No, no doubt about it. But what was it like for him to get that first home run? Oh, it was real exciting. You know, I was just uh, really trying to drive something there in that situation. And, you know, luckily I came through. It's been incredible, you know, to be surrounded by the guys I'm surrounded with here. It's, uh, it's a real blessing and an honor. He's a good kid. He's very respectful. He's been that way since day one when he got to Major League Camp, which was two seasons ago. And I remember talking to him. I said, what was it like walking into a Major League Camp? And he said, man, you walk in and there's Paul Goldschmidt. Wow, you look to your left, there's Yadier Molina. And then you look on the other side and there's, well, there's that jersey. There's number 50. Holy cow, that's Adam Wainwright. And then here I am at the age of 19 and 20 and I'm in Major League Camp and I'm here. I'm one of the guys and they treat me like I'm one of the guys and here I am. 
and I'm supposed to be in here with them, and I belong. So who are the Cardinals that have been giving him that advice? Oh, there's so many. I mean, just everyone, honestly. But, you know, guys specifically, uh, Colton, Goldie, Dex. I mean, Yachty. The list just goes on and on. Wayno, I mean. Everyone in that clubhouse is a good guy, and they want to see this team win. And, uh, you know, like I said, to be surrounded by them, it's a real honor. And the advice he's been getting has been, you know, just hang with it. We know you belong. Stay confident. Trust your abilities. All the cliches that you hear, they know that he belongs here. So the biggest adjustment for him from the minor leagues to the major leagues? Yeah, um, I mean, it's just being consistent and uh, playing my game, understanding, you know, kind of controlling myself and uh you know my excitement and different things like that um that's just been the real real thing we've been focusing on understanding you know uh that uh results really aren't aren't everything but you know um just trusting the process and going out there and making things happen that's the audio courtesy of fox sports midwest interview i conducted with dylan after the game yesterday again very respectful young man he's played left he's played center he's been playing right um Going into the series, he had seven balls that were 95 miles per hour off the bat or better. And that's one of the things that they were telling him. Look, keep doing what you're doing. Seven balls, 95 miles per hour off the bat or better that were outs. And so sometimes when you think about analytics, whether you like them or not, they said, look, you're hitting the ball hard. You're hitting the ball hard, and yet you have nothing to show for it. So keep doing what you're doing. And it paid off yesterday. He got a double, uh, rather a single, and then he got a uh, home run. So good for Dylan Carlson. Mike Schilt after the game on Dylan's first ever Major League home run. Yeah, what a special moment for Dylan. I mean, you know, his first homer um, in the big leagues, and it's just representative kind of what we talked about earlier um, about Dylan. Just a very steady guy that's got a nice approach that, doesn't try to do too much. He's letting the game come to him for a young guy. It's very, very impressive what he's doing, how he's been able to handle some, um, you know, balls being hit at people and not getting the results and, and not overreacting and just staying within himself and staying within the process and taking tough at bats. And that was, you know, his first homer, a big homer to open that game up for us. Um, that was that was nice, nice, pretty stroke. Sweet stroke. Sweet stroke indeed. Switch hitter Dylan Carlson, and he goes two for four yesterday. The Cardinals slowly but surely getting guys back. One of them was Yadier Molina. Well, in game one, he had the bases loaded. First at bat back, strokes a base hit to right. That scores two, added an RBI later, and picked up three. Yesterday, he goes four for four. And the Cardinals also get Paul DeYoung. He rejoined the team. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, Paul, he realized that he had a chance to cut up and wanted to be back amongst his teammates competing and, and, um, and got ready to come back and, and play and get back in the mix with the group of guys that are laying it out there every day. So that's good. They're going to get uh, some of the first wave of guys back. So Paul DeYoung had a couple of hard hit balls, nothing to show for it, went 0 for 4. Now to the bullpen. Now this is something that we talked about uh, in the crossover. The bullpen has been lights out. The starters have been very good. Pitching is defining the St. Louis Cardinals right now. One of the guys that was just flat out nasty yesterday, Henesis Cabrera. And Mike Shield talked about his ability to execute. I mean, he's got good stuff. I mean, you know, he's got pitches. He's, he's you know, started in the past. He's got a good breaking ball. He's got good live fastball. You know, I understand the matchups, and but, you know, I liked our matchup with Cabrera's stuff and his ability to, to 
to execute. He, he, he throws strikes and commands the baseball and hits with his secondary pitches. You know, we're going to feel good about a lot of the matchups that Genesis is going to have. Yeah, you look at him, you look at John Gant, you look at some of the others in that bullpen. It sets up well, middle innings getting to the latter innings. So, liking what I'm seeing out of that bullpen. Pitching, very good. The pitching all weekend was sensational against a very good Cincinnati lineup. The other thing I like this weekend, Harrison Bader. You know, Harrison Bader, game two, misplay in center led to eventually a grand slam. Cardinals were one grand slam away, one bad pitch away from sweeping this series. Buddy bounces back. You look at game three, he hits a home run. That was a difference maker. Then yesterday, another home run. He's starting to evolve. It's a great word, evolve. You know, it's something that we hope to do. I hope to do every single day, evolve, grow, get better. Um, Same thing with Harrison. I mean, you know, there's a saying that, you know, you can... um, you know, you get what you're looking for. You know, you want something, that's great. But, you know, what you're going to get is totally different. You know, you can want a certain pitch, but what are you going to actually get? And, um, you know, this is still a league where guys will challenge you, but this is a league where guys are not trying to get you out. They're not, you know, maybe a couple years ago, there's a little bit more challenge to people's games. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Certain guys will do it. Um, but it's, it's a more softer league. And um, it's also a league that has – Clearly, with the data, it's not going to take a while to, you know, figure out whatever trend you're working on. And people are paying attention, and you have to be able to adjust to what the competition does. And it's a very mature statement that Harrison made today about that, and it's um, it's true for all of us. We have to evolve. So back-to-back games, home run for Harrison Bader. Cardinals take three of four. Kansas City is in town tonight. It'll be Keller. It'll be... Jack Flaherty, so very good pitching matchup at the ballpark, and you can see the game on Fox Sports Midwest, the pregame at 6.30. I'll have the Redbird report tonight at 6, right here on 101 ESPN. A couple of text messages rolling in. Danny Mack, do you think the next time Fred Bird gets the ironing board out, maybe I could bring some clothes in? Looks like he was doing a good job. Yeah, if you missed it, kind of caught me off guard. We had a shot of Fred Bird, um, he was up in Big Mac land and um, he had an ironing board out and he was doing uh, some ironing up. In... It did. It just caught me off guard. He was ironing his clothes. It was something I, I didn't expect it. And it, I just I just couldn't stop laughing. And I thought it was hilarious. Yesterday, he had his clothes off and he was taking, I guess, what we would call a bird bath. It was funny made me laugh i couldn't stop laughing i got the giggles kept going it was funny uh i couldn't stop laughing 636 danny mac saw it live your laughter made me laugh well i hope you laughed i i just it was just one of those things i couldn't stop laughing it was live tv it just made me laugh i thought it was hilarious um let's see 618 cards pitching shows up in uh these four games um Looks like the real deal. I, I would agree. I mean, coming into this season, I just thought if the Cardinals are going to win, it was going to be with their pitching and their defense. That's what has defined the Cardinals. Pitching and defense. Pitching and defense coming into the season. Can they get some type of offense? And that's what they need to have. They had some timely hitting yesterday, obviously, with Yachty going four for five. He's never had a five for five day. Almost got it yesterday, went four for four, then made the uh, the final out. Um, and goes uh, 
Goes four for five. But, uh, yeah, that was big. And then Bader. If they can get something out of Bader, man, that would be huge. Um, the Cubs, by the way, they do get a win yesterday. Cardinals trailed the Cubs in the Central Division. But big news with them, Chris Bryant goes on the IL. He's on the IL with his wrist. That is big news with them. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, throughout the week. Um, so anyway, we'll talk more about what's happening with the Cardinals. Big weekend, taking three of four. We'll do that. Brad Thompson coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Every Monday, we visit with Brad Thompson, my broadcast partner. He'll be with me tonight on Fox Sports Midwest. As always, Brad, great to visit with you. How are things? What's happening, Nostradamus? Man, things are well. Things are well. I thought you were supposed to be the analyst, man. Come on, you're supposed to be predicting these things. Let's go. We're going to act like I'm not passing you notes. We're going to act like that's not happening. Okay, fine. You take all the credit, whatever you want. Hey, a couple of pretty good calls there. Yadier Molina, single to right. I mean, that, that had Yadi uh, all over it after shooting three up the middle. He does that, and uh, Dylan's was just cool. What a special a special moment for him, and uh, you talked about it beforehand. You can just kind of see it coming, seeing his swing there, and he got himself a, a slider, which uh, you and I talked about a little bit more off-air, how he can recognize that pitch a little bit better. He sees the spin of the slider, the change-up. He's struggling with that thing mightily right now, but he can see that uh, that slider. It was just a cool moment for him and certainly for his family and friends as well. I like that you're such a great partner that you don't call me out when I miss all the other predictions that are wrong. So thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention you thought Tyler O'Neill was going to jump ship too. So but that's fine. I, I won't mention it. It doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. Don't throw, I'm not going to throw okay. any of these things out on air, whether yeah. on TV or on radio. Those are between you and I, Dan. Yeah. You know that. Okay. Thanks, Brad. Are we live now or are we taping that? No, this is this is on tape. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, good. Yeah, uh, that is yeah. good. Okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start with uh, Jack Flaherty going tonight. And uh, you make, by the way, you make the game so much fun, and I appreciate it. And I mean that sincerely. Um, Jack Flaherty going tonight. So 41 pitches uh, in the previous start. As Jim Hayes told us, he does not want to know what the pitch count is. And as a former pitcher, you appreciate that, don't you? Because as a pitcher, you just want to say, give me the ball. Don't tell me how many pitches. Just let me go out there, and when you come get me, you come get me. For sure. I really do, because I think that if you have that number in the back of your head, all of a sudden, if you have an inning where the the pitch count starts creeping on you a little bit, you might try to alter things, and you might try to attack hitters differently just to maybe expedite an out, or maybe you know that you can set up a hitter really well. If I Hey, if I throw this slider here under the zone, I know that I can get him with my fastball up after that. You know, the whole art of pitching – well, you might skip some steps if, if you're really trying to make sure you get in under a certain threshold. So I do appreciate that, and I'm sure that Jack will get to a point just like he was last game when he got pulled out of that game with the bases loaded with 41 pitches. I, I hope that when he gets pulled out of this game, he's dealing, and I hope he's ticked off at the end of it, saying he's got a lot more in the tank. But uh, we talked about this yesterday on the broadcast too, Dan, is that Schilte and Maddox, I mean, the entire staff over there, they got a big-time job. And a big-time job is – 
moving all of these pieces around, certainly winning ball games, left-hand win column. We all know how important that is. But in the meantime, you got to be able to keep your team healthy, and you got to be able to keep your biggest star, who is Jack Flaherty, healthy. So he might not be happy about the 41 pitches. Maybe you won't be happy about 65 or, or maybe 70 in this ball game. But if he's healthy and taking the ball in five days as an organization, I think you're pretty darn happy. What do you look for in Jack Flaherty tonight, and what did you see the last time out? Yeah, just a command in general, just being able to repeat pitches. I thought he battled himself a little bit last time out, and that's to be expected, right? The guy hadn't pitched since opening day, and then he ends up getting that start. He got pushed back a couple of days through some bullpens, but you're not going to be sharp. You're not going to have that. Jack, at least this time around, had a normal work week for a starter. So whatever that routine looks like for Jack, and certainly in a 2020 COVID year, the routine's a little bit different than uh, other years' routines. But he's got that sort of consistency coming into this start. So I think that he'll be in control of himself mechanically. But I just want to see if he's going to be able to repeat his delivery, if the ball's coming out of his hands, if his slider's coming out of the hand the same way the fastball is. Uh, to me, that's going to be the biggest key if he's locating down in the zone. You know, for me, over the weekend, there was the excitement of Yachty going uh, four for five, Dylan Carlson's home run, Bader starting to turn the corner a little bit over games three and four offensively. But I don't think you can overlook, and maybe in a normal year, we would point to this uh, a little bit closer, but man, the pitching overall against a very good Cincinnati lineup was outstanding. I mean, how good was that pitching overall this weekend? It was great, and it, it all started with the rotation in general. It was a weird time around the last uh, that last road trip in Chicago where you have eight days or eight games crammed into five days. They're mixing and matching. You're not going to have guys go deep into ball games. But Adam Wainwright comes in game one Thursday against the Reds and sets the tempo. He goes seven strong innings. He was fantastic, and we talked about Yachty yesterday, how Father Time is undefeated, but he's got his work cut out for him with Yachty. Well, same thing with Adam Wainwright. He just keeps getting better and better, and he's just evolving as a pitcher. Uh, and then uh, next day, Dakota Hudson, I know he only goes four and two-thirds. Again, back to the old pitch count thing, but he looked good. He's done a great job of limiting his walks overall. And then Kim looked fantastic. Kim, to me, Kim is starter all the way. I like, I just, I like the way that he builds up. I know that he can get you out in the bullpen. To me, he's a starter. We'll see what the future looks like, but I think that's where he fits the best. But then the bullpen has just come in. We're seeing a little bit, Dan, of uh, in the winning ball games, and some of these pieces will interchange. Uh, but you're seeing Gant, you're seeing Miller. We saw both of them yesterday, and you're seeing Gallegos in a lot of these games. I think that they've got that back end of the pen figured out. But the middle pieces, to me, are equally as important. You've got to be able to have somebody to hand the ball off to these guys, and they're getting it done. I love seeing Reyes do his thing. I love seeing all these young guys get opportunities and kind of run with them. And you know how it is, Dan. You've been doing this for a long time. Once uh, an aspect of your team is having some sort of success, you end up thriving off of that a little bit. Somebody goes out there and goes five innings as a starter. You're, you got the ball the next day. Well, I'm going to try to go six, and then the next guy's going to try to go seven. I mean, there's that competition among the team and that healthy competition that brings out the best in everybody. It certainly does. Let's go back to Wainwright. So he's given the Cardinals, after 17 days off, five innings, 
And then in game one against Cincinnati, there was two unearned runs in the first. Galvis hits a home run. It's 3 nothing. All of a sudden, you look up. He has 15 in a row set down. He gives you seven innings. He is now just a handful of days away from his 39th birthday. Um, can you describe to a fan what he's able to do and how he is doing this after in his career, what has been a long career? It's been a great career. There's been two years in which he missed. One was an arm injury. The other one was an Achilles. Uh, he's not throwing hard. He's he's mixing it up with curveballs and cutters and fastballs and sinkers. How is he doing this, uh, Brad? How is he getting people out? Well, I mean, just kind of uh, how you laid out right there, he's reinvented himself quite a bit. Younger Adam Wainwright early in his career, he'd come out there and he'd blow 94, 95 passion, and then he'd finish people with the hammer curveball. And uh, it, it was it worked really, really well. He got ahead, and that was his finishing pitch. Well, now he's mixing stuff up. He threw, uh, I mean, his first pitch strike rate was like 72%. I have the numbers right in front of me. Uh, on Thursday, but he was throwing strikes with everything. He'd spot up his fastball for strike one. He'd throw the curveball in there for get me over strike one. He did it with the slider as well. Like he uses his entire arsenal. And what Adam doesn't do, and, and this is largely on Adam, but certainly him and Yachty working together. I mean, that's the perfect combination. He doesn't fall into patterns. So all of a sudden, he's got a hitter in a count where this hitter's like, okay, well, Adam Wainwright in the past. He's always gone curveball in this count. I'm gearing up. I'm looking for that pitch. I'm going to be aware for it. And then all of a sudden he throws 91 on the outside corner, which when you're looking for a 70-some-odd mile-an-hour fastball, it might as well be 100. I mean, he's throwing BBs out there, and you can just tell by the takes and some of the swings that the hitters have that he's got them guessing up there. So he is playing chess while other people are playing checkers. I mean, it really is fun to watch a guy have that sort of evolution. We've seen some pitchers do this throughout the years. I think Justin Verlander has been another example over the years, a guy who's reinvented himself a little bit. He still has the gas in the tank and obviously injured now, but he's had to change a few things. Zach Granke, did you see Granke's EFIS yesterday? Loved it. 54 miles an hour. Loved I it. loved it, too. I loved it. I, I also you know like. Gotta be creative. I also liked it when they worked on the mound, and he just took a seat right behind the mound. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it ended up being a very fitting one uh, since they got swept, and all you see is like the the broom and him sitting back there. <laughs> Either way, Granky's a bit of a character, but no, the the fact that Wayno's been out, been able to reinvent himself to to do anything this long to stay in a profession uh, profession like this that is so highly competitive somebody's always coming for your job you better be hungry you better be willing to adapt and adjust and that's exactly what Adam about 54% of the innings in baseball, and this is way down right now, and you can understand with the shortened summer camp, and this is not just with the Cardinals, this is across the board in Major League Baseball, about 53 to 54% of the innings are being provided by the starters. So that means it's going to be a lot of the bullpen supplying uh, the innings to get through September, and we're approaching September. Um, what does that mean, do you think, for the Cardinals specifically? Where are the innings going to come from? Now, you're, you're starting to get the starters going to go a little bit deeper now as we get another rotation through with the Cardinals in their rotation. But how do you st- manage these innings with nine doubleheaders coming up in September and, and whatnot? How do you think Schilte and Mad Dog uh, get through some of these games coming up? Well, when it comes to the, you know, in a couple of weeks, I mean, as you mentioned, they got a couple of double headers. I mean, it's going to be tough. There's going to be so much going on in that week. And that's kind of where your taxi squad, your roster manipulation, just in general, 
kind of comes out. And in a lot of those games, you're going to be throwing arms that, that you in a normal season might not put out there, but you got to do what you got to do in tough times. But, uh, you know, double headers by the wayside for a second. I really do think that this group sets up very well, just your typical 28 man bolt, uh, 28-man roster with your normal bullpen because you got so many guys out there that can give you multiple innings. You really don't have uh, those guys where it's like, all right, hey, uh, I got one in there for you. Got one inning today. You're seeing Schilty and, and Mad Dog use them differently. You're seeing one in the third. You saw two out of Hennessy's Cabrera yesterday. He's a guy that can provide length. You also have guys coming back. You know, Helsley's going to be back soon. He threw a bullpen yesterday. Carlos Martinez threw to live hitters. Don't know exactly where he's going to kind of fit into things. Personally, I, I see him in the bullpen and being a guy that, that can build up and eat more and more innings. Gomber is really important. But I, I really think that we're going to end up seeing, Dan, we're going to end up seeing the best Cardinal team come end of September and, fingers crossed, right, into the playoffs. And I believe they're a playoff team. I mean, 16 teams are going to get in. I, I believe that they'll be there because at that point, you're going to have your starters built up where you want them. You're going to have your bullpen kind of in line, and those guys will have had plenty of work by them, but not so much work where they're going to be worn out. And all of a sudden, you've had a couple of months of live ABs. This postseason, me, I think that we're going to see some of the best postseason baseball, just sheer baseball that we've seen in a long time. Nobody's going to be worn down. Pitchers are going to be in a good spot. Hitters are going to be in a good spot. But I think that the, the pitching staff sets up really well. Dylan Carlson, a uh, couple of hits yesterday. What, what's been your initial impression of Dylan? So I'm just impressed with the way that he carries himself in general. We talked about him a second ago, talked about the, the home run, talked about his struggles with the changeup, and it will be pitch recognition for him. That's a pitch that he's going to keep getting a steady diet of until he proves that he can fight him off or he can start hitting him the other way. He'll see a lot of that. But uh, I watched him after his, I believe it was his, his third at-bat. It was a little tapper. It was a change-up again. And I watched him the entire way out yesterday, Dan, like going into the dugout. I watched him run out to his position. And, like, he is so even keel. Like, everything about this kid is just business. And it is very easy as a young player, heck, as a veteran player. When you're going through some struggles, you get caught up in it. Maybe you get ticked off. Maybe you got some bad antics. Uh, your body language speaks volumes. He is just so even keel to me. That approach and then the skill set that he has, the, the kid's got everything there to be a star. We'll see if it all gets put together. But I just love the makeup. I do, too. And it's going to be interesting now. You're, you're going to get Lane Thomas back, Ravello, Austin Dean, uh, some of the others with the, the first and the second wave even, guys, that are going to get healthy here shortly. How do you think that, that plays out, Brad? And how do you think uh, you know Mike and, and the front office kind of juggle all these guys? And it's a good problem to have, but guys getting healthier yeah. as they come back. Yeah, you mentioned a good problem to have. That's exactly what every manager wants is tough decisions to make when it comes to the outfield. And I realize that for a lot of people listening currently, I know Harrison Bader was on the outside looking in. Well, look what happens in a couple of days. Guy makes a, a few adjustments. We know what he can be uh, as far as a, a gold glove caliber defender. And he looks like a no-brainer right now, small sample size, to throw right in the lineup. So, uh, I think that it is going to come down to, and it's not going to be like one day you go 0 for 4 and then all of a sudden you're out of the lineup, but it's going to come down to production because Dex is going to get his reps. He, he's been fairly productive. He's been getting on base. I know he's not making like, you know, it's not loud. He's not driving the ball all over the place. Who cares? 
He's putting the ball in play. He's making things happen. So I do wonder, like, you know, Tyler O'Neill. Tyler started out really hot, and uh, all of the outside numbers, right, the advanced numbers are there. He's been barreling balls and stuff has been good, but he hasn't been ha- having much to show for it recently. I wonder if he might have a day or two where he ends up taking a seat and they have a rotation uh, again, with these guys, it's going to be creativity, and it's going to be who ends up getting the job done. Because, you know, man, we got uh, a little over a month left of baseball. You don't really have time to kind of hold people's hands through this one. Awesome stuff as always, Brad. I'll uh, see you on the game tonight on Fox Sports Midwest. Appreciate your time. Sounds good, Dan. Thanks for having me. See you later. All right, that's Brad Thompson. We'll take a quick timeout. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Well, two seconds to go. That'll do it. The horn sounds. And uh, there will be a new Stanley Cup champion this season in the National Hockey League. The 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues have been eliminated four games to two in their first round series with the Vancouver Canucks. A collective thud as the Blues lose in six games to the Canucks over the weekend. And Craig Berube asked uh, why the Blues weren't successful in the playoffs up in Edmonton. We didn't get any scoring from our bottom half of our lineup, which we did last year. Um, you know, we had a fantastic line of Sunquist, Barbashev, and Steen that scored goals for us and did a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, um, and yeah, our d- defense d- didn't... Um, provide a whole lot of offense uh, not from the lack of trying I think that uh, you know they shot pucks and and things like that but it didn't go in so in the end like you know I said we didn't we didn't have enough guys uh, going to be successful no doubt and uh, you know you look at what happened the Blues go up to Edmonton and I, I just you know, one of the things I thought about was that you had now Boston has advanced and they've been there before, but you look at some of the teams that have won and they're out. Was there that collective hunger? Eh, I don't know. It, it just seemed like the blues. It took them a while to get going. They didn't get going. The captain of the blues, Alex Petrangelo. Well, easy to say now. I mean, even last game, you know, we had a five minutes where we fell asleep and they took advantage. So, I don't think we did it for long enough. I think we had spurts in this round that we did a lot of things that we wanted to, but it just wasn't good enough uh, for you know long long enough stretches. So we all know that. So I mean, it's it's on all of us, especially you know us guys who have, have gone through this before. So um, just didn't piece together the way we wanted to for longer stretches. Six one eight, Danny Mack. After watching the captain in the bubble, do you think he comes back? Didn't play all that well. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, if you're judging on what he did in the bubble, then you're not judging it properly. Uh, I, I don't judge on what happened in the bubble with anybody, including Bennington. Anybody. Well, Alex answered that question. Do you want to hear from him? Sure. It's not a fun situation to be in, especially when you've been somewhere your whole career, but it is what it is. So um, I guess really my only thought is just to get home and see my kids and see where the future takes us yeah but i mean i'm not that's what he's going to say that's a typical response you know that's kind of cliche but i mean if you're just judging on what happened in those six games or even the games prior to that and a player played well or a player played great or a player played poorly in the bubble 
I'm not judging whether or not I'm making a contract offer or reducing an offer or upping an offer because of how a guy played in the bubble. I'm just not going to do that because I'm going on a full sample size of what I've seen in quote-unquote normal hockey. Um, I'm looking at his full body of work prior to the bubble. This is an outlier. Um, I didn't think he played great. I thought he played okay. Uh, prior to that, I thought he was one of the top five defensemen in the league. And I want to see him back. Now, I'm sure they're going to sit down with him. The cap has been set. And they say, okay, here, if you come back, this is what we have to offer. These are the adjustments we'd have to make. These are the players we can come back with, X, Y, and Z. Um, these are the players we can bring back with you, with or without you. We're probably with you. Um, these are the players that we can't bring back because of the cap. And we want you back. And if not, okay, then we got to move on. It's pretty simple. Um, but I want to see him back. I'd love to see him back. He had a really heartfelt letter in the uh, Players' Tribune. I don't know if you had a chance to read that. Do you see that, Scotty? Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, it was well done. Um about some of his personal uh, issues that he's gone through with family and various things that he's dealt with over the years away from the ice and basically essentially grown up as a young man into a man here in St. Louis and getting married and the various things with his children and his family. But I, I want to see him here. I was thinking about, you know, the statue that would be outside of uh, Scott Trade. And the statue to me that would be would be him holding the cup and the fireworks going on in the in the background. That would be his statue. It's iconic. Yeah, it's an iconic picture. It's in the front of the video game. Just saying. I, I don't play video <laughs> games, so I won't. I don't know, but that's the iconic moment I think of with Alex, and it'll live on forever, whether he's here or not. He's the first guy to bring the cap, uh, the captain that brought the cup to St. Louis, and he's moving up. Yeah, before it's all said and done, he's moving up every single um, games played in playoffs uh, in terms of points among defensemen, uh, games played playoffs, points. I mean, all those things. To me, that means something. And he's going to wind up getting paid one way or another, whether it's from the Blues or from somebody else. So I, to me, he's here. They'll, they'll find a way to make it happen. Do I judge, though, on what happened in the bubble, whether or not I'm going to pay him top dollar? Absolutely not. He stays here. We'll talk about it. Crossover Ribs BK coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK, they're coming up, and they'll take you till 2. And then the fast lane on 101 ESPN. I'll have the Redbird Report at 6. We do that every Monday here on 101 ESPN. Um, well, let's get into it, BK. The Blues are out. A disappointing way to go out. I, th- I thought the Blues would play a little bit better in Game 5. They had the 3-1 lead in that game and gave it up. It was just uh, it was kind of shocking. I think... So Dan Friday, I came on and I was like, you know, I'm not nervous. I'm not, I'm not worried about this team. I think they'll be all right. I probably should have been more nervous after what we had seen in game five and the way that they gave up that lead and were not able to come back and ultimately win that one. Looking back on it now with the, the value of having that hindsight, 
I, that was when they lost the series. Yeah. It wasn't Friday night. They lost the series in the middle of the second period when, as Braden Shin said, they fell asleep for a five-minute period. That was when, ultimately, they went out of the postseason. And we probably should have seen it coming more than we did, but I, I didn't see it that way at the time. I know you're a big NFL guy. Um, <clears throat> a lot of uh, false positives. That was a scary moment uh, for the NFL, wasn't it? It was. I think it's... So if we're going to spin this into a positive or an optimistic route of it, we got to yeah. change our our language with this. But it, if we're going to spin it, the spin is, well, now they've had their test run, right? The same way that Major League Baseball, you don't know how you're going to react until you have positives. Well, they failed their first test with Major League Baseball. The NFL, and it's different than a game environment, of course, but they were able to get those rapid tests out right away. They ended up finding out. Almost immediately, okay, these are false positives based on the fact that all of them came back as negatives that day. So that's the good thing. The bad thing is... It didn't happen on a Sunday morning. Right. You know? The the bad thing is, well, it happened. And you had more than 70 players across the NFL that were testing positive when they weren't actually positive for the virus. How did that happen? And now they've got to figure that part of it out. What's coming up on the show? So we've got Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com. She's going to join us coming up at 1215 to recap everything that happened over the weekend with the Blues and the NHL as a whole. Some interesting stories coming out of Vegas right now with their goalie situation as well. Oh, man. Plus, uh, Jeff Carlson, Dylan Carlson's father, is going to join us awesome. coming up at 1 o'clock. So good dude, man. That. Really good dude. Uh, and a proud papa, I'm sure. How about that? Pretty How cool. about that? Pretty cool. And right. you just making all of us look bad. I try to predict things on our show with anything relating to the Cardinals, and look, everything goes wrong. You do it 17 times in an inning, and every single one of them comes true. Look, I throw a lot. Couple stick. I get some credit. I don't, uh, you know, when I miss, no one talks about it. So That's I got right. a little lucky. Congratulations. Okay. We, we have very different roles in that respect. It's when I okay. miss, everybody lets me know about well, it. <laughs> well, you know Ribs is going to make you look bad, so yeah, yeah. it's okay. I got a little lucky. Looking forward to it. Ribs and BK coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.